Good morning, church. Would you all stand as we declare the power of our God together? Just one word, you come the storm that surrounds. Just one word, the darkness has to retreat. Just one touch, I feel the presence of heaven. Just one touch. Yeah. 
used to work in IT. Um, good morning to all of you. It's wonderful to be here this morning. It's a beautiful day out there. No rain, praise God. No rain. About you, but I felt like we're going to build an ark sometime this last week. So it's good to see all of you. I'm so glad you're here to worship with us, especially if this is your first time at Shelby Christian. Give you an extended welcome. Thank you for being here. Uh, this morning, I think we should all, if we ponder and think for a moment, all over the world, people are worshiping Jesus Christ this morning. Some in houses because their countries don't allow them to gather. Some in lauded auditoriums than even this. You know, there are churches in Korea that are over 100,000 people. Can you imagine that? But this morning we come here to worship. And as we move into a time of communion, I want us to ponder for a moment about the bread. You know, Jesus said that he was the bread of life. And I think sometimes we just kind of think of bread and our meals as something extra. Unless we're eating a sandwich. But when we think about bread in their day, they were a society that could not use forks like we do at a table. Only the very, very, very wealthy would have anything like a fork at a table. So in order to get their food, they would have a common bowl. They would break off the bread. They would dip it in the bowl and pull out part of their food and they would eat it. And I was reminded of that this week when we were reading our Bible studies, the thing that Dave gave us for 90 days trying to read through the New Testament. In Matthew, it talked about how Jesus said, the one who betrayed me be the one who dipped in the bowl the same time I did. And you see, that bread was so important in their society. Without the bread, you weren't going to be able to eat. And so when Jesus said he was the bread of life, it meant you couldn't live your life without him. And all about you, I wouldn't want to live this life without Jesus Christ in my heart. Without having him there to support me and encourage me and to guide me. And not only that, to be my savior. So this morning as we pause and we take that time and we're going to take that bread that Jesus said and he broke it and blessed it and said, this is my body. We ought to be reminded of what he did for us in giving his body up for each and every one of us. Let's pray. Father God, we just praise you this morning. Lord, we just thank you for the beautiful weather and the freedom to worship in this place. And Father, I pray for your spirit to fall upon this place, to fall upon Brother Dave as he teaches us this morning about David and Saul. And Father, I just ask that your spirit would just be so free in this place as we continue to worship. May we be reminded of the elements that we're about to take in communion. And we ask this and praise you in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen.
you ever been hurt by somebody that you really trusted that person that said all the right things to you and all the wrong things about you 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 may very well have even been trying really really hard to be a great friend to them and to help them And then somehow it felt like they stabbed you in the back. If you've ever experienced anything like that in your life, I'm really glad you're here today. Because we're in the middle of this series where we're looking at the life of of a man with the heartbeat of God. We're calling this whole series Heartbeat and talking about what it looks like to live life passionately in a passionate pursuit of God and to to try to do the right thing even when sometimes people mess up even when sometimes we mess up and and so we've been walking through this life of David and looking at different people that he interacted with and how that interaction went and how we can learn from that and so in the first week we looked at how how David was anointed by Samuel and chosen to be the the next king uh, of God's people. After they didn't need a king, Samuel had tried to tell them they didn't need a king. God had tried to stay away from that, but they kept clamoring. Remember we talked about that? They kept clamoring or pestering or complaining. We got to have a king. We want to be like everybody else. Okay, let's see how that goes for you. And it started off okay, but the first king Saul kind of quickly changed and God said, all right, it's time for another one. Samuel, go, and I'm going to show you the next king. And so that first week we saw how how Samuel anointed David to be the next king. Last week we saw the the very famous, the the familiar story that everybody kind of knows of how how David went and fought the giant Goliath and and how there was a great victory there. And and in that story of Samuel, we saw how, how David's faithfulness put him at the point where God had chosen him to be the next anointed king. And last week, what we saw was how by trusting God, David was able to defeat Goliath. This week, this week we see the confrontation between David and King Saul. 
the one that he was going to replace, but the one he was doing everything he could to protect and to uh, to uh, respect in every way the way that he lived his life. And, and there's a turning point early in this story. <clears throat> Excuse me. A, there there is this moment when after the battle with Goliath and after David and the Israelite army had conquered all the Philistines and they're coming back home. They're coming back home. And and, and it was kind of you got to some of you could probably know and remember and have seen stories of this very well uh, when you studied in history of when some of our soldiers came back from some of the world wars and there was there was there were parades and there was celebration and then by the time we got to vietnam it wasn't that at all but i want you to imagine a ticker tape glorious parade the army's coming back home and they start singing the women, the Bible tells us, the women started dancing and singing. And here was the refrain of the song they sang. They said, Saul has killed his thousands. David has killed his ten thousands. Do you see where that could cause some conflict with the king? Saul says, says, what are they talking about? They're, they're giving David credit for killing tens of thousands and me only thousands. And suddenly he realizes as if he's not careful, what he doesn't know is David's already been anointed. But what he's thinking, if I'm not careful, he's going to become king because people are behind him. And so he's jealous. And jealousy does bad, bad stuff, doesn't it? Jealousy will mess you up really, really quickly. And so Saul starts doing really horrible, terrible things to David. Have you ever been hurt by someone you trusted? Sometimes people hurt us accidentally. But let's be real, sometimes it's just flat out malicious, isn't it? Sometimes they ask us to forgive them. Sometimes they never do. Sometimes we don't even know who they are. It's a drunk driver or a mugger or a thief um, that sneaks up on us. Sometimes, sometimes we get hurt by those closest, closest to us. A spouse, a parent, a, a, a friend. Sometimes we're hurt only one time, and it just takes that one thing, that one hurt. But sometimes it's ongoing. It, it, it just keeps on happening over and over again. And, and despite the horrible things that Saul is doing to David, and we're going to see that Saul does to David, and he doesn't, David doesn't deserve any of them, and David yet refuses to grow bitter. Now, he's smart. <laughs> David's smart. He runs and hides. <laughs> because especially when it gets to the point that he realizes Saul's trying to kill him. David's smart. He gets away. He runs and hides. But the amazing thing is in this part of Scripture, David never hated Saul. And I think there's some important steps that we can learn uh, about a path to forgiveness from this guy with the heartbeat of God. So I want to encourage you. I'm going to give you, last week I gave you a, a list of seven things to, uh, strategies toward victory in battle. I want to give you another list this week of, of kind of seven strategies or a path to forgiveness. Okay. And so I want to encourage you to write them down or at the very end, there'll be one slide that's got them all on it. If you want to take a picture of that one. But the very first thing that we've got to do is just maintain 
healthy relationships. Maintain healthy relationships to the very best of our ability. David's first response to Saul's anger was to keep things together, to keep things civil, not to make a scene. And, and last week, remember we said that you don't have to respond uh, to every argument you're invited to. Sometimes you can just chill and just kind of try to keep things together. In fact, the Bible talks about that. The Bible in Romans chapter 12 and verse 18 says, if it is possible, and I love this line, if it is possible, as far as it depends on you. Now, who's the only person on the planet that you have control over? It's you. And so, so the writer said, if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Keep your side of the street clean. Do the very best that you can do. The writer of Hebrews put it this way. said, make every effort to live in peace with everyone and to be holy. Because without holiness, no one will see the Lord. Let's say relationships aren't easy, are they? I I mean, I don't know any of them that are. Marriage isn't easy at times. Parenting isn't easy at times. Being a child isn't easy at times. Being an employee isn't easy at times. Being an employer isn't easy at times. Having friends is not easy at times. There's no relationships that are easy. We have to work at it because here's the deal. Here's the, you know what a relationship is, right? A relationship is two people doing something together. That's what a relationship is. All right. And, and, and people are, People are difficult at times. You know why? Because people have opinions. And opinions, they say, are like armpits. And everyone has them. And left unattended, eventually they're going to stink. That's where our opinions take us. And it makes relationships really difficult. So if you have a friendship, if you have a working relationship... A a dating relationship, a marriage relationship, a parenting relationship. Hopefully there's something special that you, that drew you into that relationship that is worth maintaining. I mean, when we get into situations where things are bad and someone we trusted has done something that is not nice and it hurts us deeply, at least part of the equation needs to be, why am I in this relationship in the first place? There was probably something that drew you into it, something that that hopefully, if at all possible, as far as it depends on you, is worth maintaining. And so we work really hard at maintaining healthy relationships. But when that's not always possible, the second thing we need to do is set boundaries. Set boundaries to protect ourselves. Every, 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 underline that word, see, can I express it anymore? Every relationship needs some boundaries. Needs some boundaries. Those boundaries are better if they look like fences with gates instead of walls with no doors, but they need some boundaries. They need some separation. They need some some places that define how that relationship's going to go. If you look in your Bible, in 1 Samuel, we're going to be in chapter 23, 24, and on through the end of the uh, 1 Samuel today. But if you look in 1 Samuel chapter 23, in verse 13, it says, David and his men, about 600 of them, 
left Goliath and went moving from place to place because they're kind of on the move from Saul. David stayed in the desert strongholds and in the hills of the desert of Ziph. Day after day, Saul searched from him, but God did not give David into his hands. See, when it became obvious, when it became obvious to David and those around David that Saul was trying to kill him, he had to get away. He had to establish some boundaries. You see, here's how he knew. One day, David's just entertaining, playing his harp, and suddenly a spear comes flying at him. And when he looks around, he realizes Saul's the one who threw the spear. This is not just I'm upset and I'm jealous. Now it's I'm trying to kill you. And David realized he had to have some separation. He had to have some separation. He had to have some boundaries. See, sometimes we think we're doing the noble thing by staying in a situation. Sometimes we're in, we find ourselves in a situation where we're in a friendship, where we're, where we're in a work relationship, where an employer, employee, and, and things are getting bad. Things are getting sideways. And somehow we convince ourselves that the noble thing to do is just to stick it out. To, to not make a big deal about things. To, to not raise it. Not to set any boundaries. And we stay in that situation far too long. We need to set some boundaries. Now, here's the deal. God tells us to forgive. In fact, Jesus said in Matthew, for if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly father will also forgive you. We need to forgive people. But forgiveness, there's no part of forgiveness that means we have to subject ourselves to abuse. I hope it's not the case. I always hope it's not the case. But I've got to say, if you're in a relationship of any kind and you're being mistreated physically, verbally, emotionally, heaven forbid, sexually, you need to get out. You need to set some boundaries. God will appreciate, God will help you, but you need to get out and set some boundaries. You've got to get help. Now, forgiveness, we need to give it. And trust, we, we need to eventually give that, but they're two different things. How much is forgiveness supposed to cost? Forgiveness is free. Forgive as you've been forgiven. But guys, trust has to be earned. Trust has to be earned. And when we've been in a situation, when we've hurt, been hurt by somebody that we've trusted, we need to be very careful that, yes, we forgive on appropriate levels, but trust has to be earned. If you're in a situation where, where somebody's done that horrible thing and you can rebuild a relationship, that's awesome. That's wonderful. That's wonderful. I, I know marriages that have survived adultery. I know friendships that have survived betrayal. I know families that have been able to remain strong despite tremendous, tremendous issues and pain in the past. But it doesn't happen overnight. You've got to set some boundaries. 
You got to maintain healthy relationships, but we got to set some boundaries. And the third thing we can learn by looking at this, how this whole story plays out, is we've got to refuse to seek revenge. Now, that's like the, the natural, like just instinctive reaction, isn't it? If somebody does something and we immediately want revenge, even when we're little kids on the playground and somebody throws sand at you, what is the instinctive response? Throw sand back. Or, or somebody come pushes you, what's the instinctive response? Push back. Or somebody hits you, what's the instinctive response? Hit back. But if we're going to get this right, over a period of time, we have to mature to the point where we refuse to seek revenge. Now, I got to tell you, I want to read to you out of Scripture the most humorous part of this particular story. And Saul is after David. David's on the run. And for several different things that we don't have time to read, David's been hiding, in, David and all these men and these, these followers were protecting him. They've been hiding in caves, one cave after another. And Saul would get close and they'd pick up the whole group and they'd move to another area and they'd find another cave and they'd hide in a cave. And one day in 1 Samuel 24, David and his men are hiding in a cave. It says, starting in verse 3, And Saul came to the sheep pens along the way, and a cave was there. And Saul went in to relieve himself. I didn't make that up. That's what the Bible says, okay? And Saul goes into this cave to relieve himself, and David and his men are in the back of the cave. Now, instinctively, what do you think the men thought? They tell him. This is the day the Lord spoke of when he said to you, I will give your enemy into your hands for you to deal with as you wish. Then David crept up unnoticed and cut off a corner of Saul's robe. I mean, it's, it's, it's bizarre. It, it, you've got to somehow think, you know, I, there's no other way to say it. You've got to think public restroom installs and David sneaks up and cuts off part of Saul's robe. Afterward, David was conscience stricken. His conscience, he said, I call the robe of the king. And he said to his men, the Lord forbid that I should do such a thing to the master. The Lord's anointed or lift my hand against him for he is the currently, he's the anointed of the Lord. And with these words, David rebuked his men and did not allow them to attack Saul. And Saul left the cave and went on his way. Talk about getting caught with your pants down. I mean, Saul's in a bad, bad place. This is David's opportunity. His friends, his soldiers, his bodyguards tell him, now's the chance, let's, let's get this over with, be done with him. We're going to have to quit running and hiding in caves. And no one would have thought bad of David at all, not at this point. I mean, dude's thrown a spear at you a couple of times. Nobody would have thought anything about it. He had every reason and every right to seek revenge. In the world's eyes. But we learn in the New Testament later that we don't wage war as the world wages war. That we don't attack. And we don't retaliate. And the Lord tells us that vengeance is His. Now, some of us like that. <laughs> some of us want to call on that a lot. Because we, we've read enough and we know what the Bible says, vengeance is mine, thus saith the Lord. And so there's, there's a part of us sometimes that, all right, God, I'm going to call in my vengeance chip. 
annihilate them now. And we would love to do that, but I'm a little scared to pray that God will punish those that have hurt me. Because I'm kind of afraid they might be praying the same thing. And so we just trust God. We try our best to maintain some healthy relationships. And we set up some appropriate boundaries. And we refuse to seek revenge. The fourth thing we need to do is just treat people with respect. That's this amazing thing when you read through this story, this whole story. And David showed Saul respect. He didn't kill him, but he kept his boundary. He kept his boundaries. He waited until Saul left the cave, and then he revealed himself to Saul. Look in verse 8 of chapter 24. It says, then David went out of the cave. Saul's been in there, you know, whatever, and left. David's cut off the beast. And so he walks away, and David lets him get a far piece away. <clears throat> and then David went out of the cave and called out to Saul, my lord, the king. Now, stop right there a second as you're reading, because I think it's really important to see here. Notice the case of the word lord and king. Notice the L and the K are lowercase. That's, that's who he was in that society, but he was in no way Lord and King. All right. But David is showing respect. He says, and Saul looked around and David bowed down and prostrated himself with his face to the ground. And then he said to Saul, why do you listen when men say David is bent on harming you? This day you have seen with your own eyes how the Lord delivered you into my hands in the cave. Some urged me to kill you, but I spared you. I said, I will not lift my hand against my master because he is the Lord's appointed. And he's holding that piece of the robe just to make sure Saul understands how close he was. (laughs) I was close. I cut this off your robe. Yet I chose not to harm you because that wouldn't have been what God wanted at this time. Notice that even when he did reveal himself, look at how he shows respect. He shows respect in how he references Saul. He shows respect by bowing as would have been the, as would have been the thing to do for a king. See, we can be gracious even when we've been wronged. Let me say that again. We can be gracious even when we've been wronged. And then after we treat people with respect, though, there is a time in this strategy where we can and need to confront hatred. While David didn't seek revenge and he acted in total respect to Saul and to who he was, his position as king, he directly confronted Saul's attitude and upheld his innocence. He invited God to judge their motives. You read the rest of the story. I mean, there's like, this story is like a six chapter story. And, and he, he, he challenged, he invites God to be the judge. And David showed us Get this, David showed us that we can forgive and still confront. I mean, we're called to forgive, but we're not called to say, don't worry about it. 
Part of what we read this week in our in our daily Bible reading through the New Testament this summer, we, we finished up the Gospel of Matthew and started in the Gospel of Mark. But we, we read in Matthew chapter 18 where the Bible actually gives us a guide to confrontation and tells us specifically how to confront someone who has done something against us by going directly to them and then by taking witnesses along. And we're going to work this out. We're going to do, but we're not just going to say, don't worry about it. We're going to work this out. And, and David yells back to Saul, says, hey, look, I could have killed you, bro. But why are you so mad at me anyway? Why are you listening to all these people that are telling you this or that? I'm just trying to serve you. When I went down and fought the giant, it wasn't for my glory. It was for God's glory and to protect you and God's people. Why are you so mad? Why he confronted the hatred? Sometimes we've got to do that. And then the sixth thing we need to do is after we do that, is we extend grace. We extend grace and don't hold a grudge. Because we've got to always remember and never forget that life is hard. We've got to remember that. The way we live every day, we've got to remember that. You are going to get hurt. In this world, you will have hardships. You are going to get hurt, but God is good, and he will take care of you. And he extends grace into our greatest failures. And he'll extend that same level of grace into other people's lives. And we see grace in return. We must extend that grace to others. I mentioned just a moment ago that passage in Matthew 18 that tells us how to confront properly and how to do that and to deal with it. Well, later in that same chapter in Matthew chapter 18, Jesus told a story, a parable of a servant who had been forgiven a great debt by the master, but was unwilling to forgive one of his friends. And in Jesus' story, it cost him dearly because that's not forgiveness. That's not, that's not grace. Relationships are not about keeping score. David and, and Saul were never going to be close again. But David let go of the hurt and blessed Saul as they parted. Listen to these words. Saul yells back up to David after that, in that encounter. He says, I know that you will surely be king. This is Saul speaking to David. I know that you will surely be king and the kingdom of Israel will be established in your hands. Now swear to me by the Lord that you will not cut off my descendants or wipe out my name (coughs) from my father's family. (coughs) Saul says, I know how this is going to work out. You're going to be king. Just please don't take it out on my family. Please don't take it out on my family when that happens. Look at verse 22. So David gave his oath to Saul. Then Saul returned home, but David and his men went back up into the stronghold. Now, I wish I could tell you that that was the end of it. But when you keep reading 1 Samuel, you'll see that's not the end of it. Because at least one other time after this, Saul tries to kill David again. David promised not to harbor a grudge for generations to come. 
He promised to protect Saul's family. He promised not to punish Saul by attacking the next of kin. It was grace. The grace to forgive is a command from the Lord. So we do all these things. We try to maintain healthy relationships. We set up boundaries. We trust people. We respect people. We don't seek revenge. And the last thing may be, maybe part of the first thing. Because step seven is really part of step one in maintaining healthy relations. In fact, this whole thing, and that's the reason I want you to see all these steps, because it's really a cycle that just keeps repeating itself over and over and over again. Because this last step is just look for the good in people. Just look for the good in people. Saul, Saul did a lot of bad stuff. And toward the end of his life, he did a lot of really mean stuff. He tried to kill David multiple times before he died. But, but Saul had been anointed king. He, when they decided, to, when God kind of relented and said, okay, here's a king. Saul's this good-looking, big, strong guy. He should have been a great king. He had a, Saul had the chance to be the George Washington of his people. But he messed up over and over again. And, and, and you read about these things in First Samuel, First Samuel 13. You read about how Saul, instead of just being the military leader, he tried to be a spiritual leader, and he wasn't really qualified for that. He, he made a bad policy and then reacted poorly when his own son violated it in chapter 14. He did a really poor job on a project and then tried to blame everyone else in chapter 15. In chapter 18, we see that even though David's trying to help Saul, he becomes jealous of David's success. And then he tried to manipulate David to marry his daughter with ulterior motives of being able to get to him. Then in chapters 19 through 26, he tries over and over again to murder David. And then he embarrassed his son in public in chapter 20. In chapter 24, he apologizes for his behavior, but he never really repented and changed. And then in chapter 28, it even gets to the point that he goes and seeks advice from a medium. He delves into the occult and goes to a spiritualist. And trying to get help. But still, after all that stuff, you got to see this. After all that stuff, when Saul finally dies, David, the one he had been chasing, trying to kill, writes a funeral song for him and his son Jonathan. He's saying about all the victories and the wonderful things that Saul had done. And here's part of the song. It's in 2 Samuel chapter 1, verse 23. David even sang this, How beloved and gracious were Saul and Jonathan. After all that he had done, how in the world did David do that? When we've been hurt by people that we trust, how in the world are we supposed to do that? When people that, trust, that we trusted hurt us, how in the world do we find the good? And work on healthy relationships. Guys, you've probably heard, you've probably even said it. You've definitely heard someone say, we need to forgive and forget. Let me tell you, that's not only impossible, it's not healthy. Because if we could forget, we really wouldn't need to forgive. 
the reality is that forgetting is, is not possible. Forgiveness is a discipline that you have to intentionally pursue. In other words, you have to choose to forgive. Every week when we get done, and we're going to do it here in just a little bit, in just a few moments when we're done here today. Every week when we get done, we say, go love God, love people, change the world. Those are not three disconnected commands. In fact, I, I want to suggest to you, I want, to, I want you to see, they are very much one progressive command. Love God. See, that comes right from when Jesus was asked, what's the most important commandment? He said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. We have to stand firm in the truth. Love God. Love his truth. Stand on his truth. If you love me, Jesus said, you will obey me. And so loving God, that's the starting point. Too much of the world wants us to love people without loving God. See, loving people, that's the grace step. The loving God is the truth step. And we've got to be willing to stand firm in the truth of God. This is what God says. I believe it. I'm going to try to live it the very best that I can. We've got to stand firm on loving God. And we have to love people. But if we try to love people without loving God, we're going to love them in our nature, in our will, and in our way of thinking. And we're going to let a lot of things slide that God says don't let slide because it's not truth. And so if we're going to love God... Then we can love people, but don't, don't try to get them out of order. Everybody wants to love people because that's the feel-good stuff, right? That, that, that's, that's when people are loving us. And it's the grace. See, forgiveness is all about grace. But it doesn't ignore wrong. It doesn't ignore untruth. And when David held up the cloth to say, I could have killed you, he also said, I didn't do what you said. I haven't done what people are telling you. That's the truth. And this cloth, that's the grace. Guys, our world is in desperate, desperate, desperate need of truth. Our world needs truth. They're really big on love people right now. Just be kind. Just be kind. I'm all about being kind. But you can't be kind if you don't love God. It's not the right kindness. It's human kindness. It's worldly kindness. It's not godly kindness. It's not the kindness that's going to lead to eternity with God. So when we say love God, let me stand firm in the truth. When we say love people based on God's love, go out there and show grace, grace and truth. And when we do that, here's the cool part. When we do that, the third part just naturally happens. Because if you love God, that's what David was doing. He had the heartbeat of God. And then you'll love people. 
and then it'll change the world. It's only when we stand firm on truth that we can forgive in grace, which will then change the world. Guys, the bottom line is you can't truly be kind by ignoring sin. You can't truly be kind just by not saying or texting or tweeting mean things. Kindness and forgiveness involves speaking the truth in love. It's that perfect balance between truth and grace. Would you guys stand with me? The beautiful part of it is no matter how bad we get it wrong, Jesus still came to die for us and to help us get it right. And no matter how far we stray, he left the comfort of heaven to come for you. He left the 99 to come and find you. And so if you need him today, Jason's down here in love to talk to you. We got elders in the room that love to pray with you and help get you on the right track to the journey. If you don't need to walk to the front, just today, maybe your decision is, God, help me be more forgiving and balance truth and grace. Come on.
mountain you won't climb up coming after me there's no wall you won't kick down lie you won't tear down coming after me there's no shadow you won't light up mountain you won't climb up coming after me there's no wall you won't kick down share some exciting news um, this week just since we met last sunday three more people have given their lives to the lord been baptized and uh, uh, that's been awesome and uh, you can check out our facebook and our website and see pictures because it was really cool on one end wednesday night uh, a daughter and her husband were baptizing their parents will be in the next service and then last night parents were baptizing a child uh, as Bradley and Misty uh, Souter were able to baptize Elliot last night. So really, really cool stuff. I want to ask you to pray this week because uh, right now we've got four of our ladies that are either already there or are on their way to Dominican Republic. Uh, and that's Heidi Hetrick and Lisa Casey and Veronica Brown and Terry Rucker uh, that are on their way for some mission work in Dominican Republic. And then next Sunday morning, uh, Linda Jones and Ray Orange are leaving for Uganda. Uh, so keep those ladies in prayer uh, as they are on these mission trips. Uh, if you're first time today, man, thanks for being here. If it's your first time back, because we got people coming back all the time uh, from from our time, uh, our crazy time. But if it's your first time back, we're glad you're here. But if it's your first time ever here out in the lobby, and I'm New Wall, then we got a gift for you. Uh, Brett and his team are out there, and they'd love to meet you and greet you. And then finally, Pathways is a week from Tuesday night. Pathways is the onboard ramp to membership and discipleship and involvement. And if you'd like to sign up for our next Pathways, Tuesday night, June 22nd at 6 o'clock, go right through that door back there into the next step room, and there are some folks back there uh, that can help you out with that. Uh, and finally, guys, I for- almost forgot, there is a golf trip. There's a golf trip two weeks from tomorrow. Uh, Perry Park, if you want more information, see Roger Chandler. He can let you know all the details about that. Now, it's time 
let's get out of here let's go love god let's go love people and let it change the world see you guys